today on It's Time. Isn't that great to know that the God you serve is bigger than the things that you've done wrong? Bigger than the things that people have done to you? Bigger than your failures? I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Now, very quickly, I'll give you a little insight here because, and only for this reason, because we live in an area, if you're Mormon here this morning, uh, I I don't wish to offend anybody here. I want to give you a little bit of understanding from your own teaching. This is where the problems come in with Mormonism. Because this is what the Book of Mormon is about. Now, I never thought I'd ever be telling anybody this, but you need to know. So when you talk to somebody, you understand where they're coming from. And since we have such an area that's inundated with Mormonism, that we can talk intelligently to them without offending them. Now, now the Bible says it's impossible that offenses will come. Understand that. But I want to be sure they're offended at the gospel, not at me or my attitude. The Bible tells us that Moses was brought down to Midian for 40 years. Well, this is where the Book of Mormon comes in, that God would never use a murderer to deliver his people. And so therefore, when the children of Israel left Egypt... Um, they followed a guy named Jared. The Jaredites went down by the, uh, by the Delta there in Egypt and they got in barges and they were blown by a furious wind because God wouldn't uh, use Moses because he was a murderer. So they then came over to, uh, they landed over in the South United States uh, and built the house of Nauvoo and all this different thing. And all the American Indians are descendants of the Jews. Problem? DNA blows it apart. The American Indians are descendants of Asians. This is very clear. It's not my word against theirs. It's provable in a court of law. They are not Jews, period. Does God use people in spite of their failures? Yes or no? Absolutely. Look at the failures of King David with Bathsheba and her her husband and all the different things that went on there. Did God still use David? Yes, he still used David. Did God still use Peter after Peter denied the Lord three times and cussed and swore even to a servant girl? I don't know the man. Jesus continued to use Peter. 
In fact, as we've often heard, God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance. So the whole idea that you find behind these other religions and behind these other books is in some way God won't use frailty in man. And the truth of the matter is he does. He does. There wouldn't be much of a God that ain't bigger than the things that you did wrong. And so God does that. And God wasn't done with Moses, contrary to what the other religions say in the world. And the Bible here tells us that he gave Zephora to Moses for a wife. This is interesting. There were seven daughters, and one of them is a Gentile. You can think about that on your own a little bit. Here's Moses taking a Gentile wife. Now, how many times do you hear uh, the children of Israel chiding with Jesus, saying, Moses taught us, or um, Abraham taught us, but Moses taught us. And yet Moses was married to a Gentile. Now, again, realizing that Gentiles were considered to be unclean, and you would have nothing to do with them. In fact, uh, historians tell us, Josephus and other writers say, that if you were downtown in the marketplace, and the wind was slightly blowing, and your, and your robe was to flip open, and you were to touch a Gentile, you would have to go to the, to the, the priest and seek forgiveness because you touched an unclean thing. Yet Moses was married to a Gentile. Friends, this is important. Because if what we do then disqualifies us from what God has called us to do, Moses at this point would have been disqualified. But that isn't what happened, is it? You see, this is great hope for you and me in this regard. I look at my life sometimes and go, God, I've blown it. You'll never use me again. And God says, we've only just begun. Isn't that great to know? That the God you serve is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. Bigger than the things that people have done to you. Bigger than your failures. A lot of times the devil uses those things in our lives to discredit us. And by the way, there's a reason why. Because if the devil can discredit his work in your life, he can discredit the things you will do in your life. And you've got to remember that. The devil's very, very clever. And if he doesn't get away... With going to God, the Bible says, who accuses the brethren day and night. The Bible says that's what he does. Did you see what they did today? Did you see what they did today? Did you see what they did today? And God says, I don't want to hear it. They're my child. They're forgiven. Satan goes away mad, comes down, and starts going at you. Do you know what you did yesterday? Do you know what you did a, year, a week ago? Do you know what you did five years ago? We go, yeah, I know. I, I just guess I'll go eat worms. No, that's what the devil wants. To put you down, to paralyze you, so that you will not dare try to do anything for God. That's the way it works. 
Because if he doesn't get anywhere presenting our past to God who doesn't hear it, who accuses the brethren day and night, well, I'll just go down and accuse them to themselves. Do you know why? You know why? Because we're guilty. Can the devil look at me and say, do you know what you did five years ago? Yeah, I know what I did five years ago. Um, but how do you see yourself? See, see, we, we've got to change the way we look at ourselves, not from the idea and the aspect of self-realization or positive thinking or something. But I need to see myself, you need to see yourself the way God sees you. For this reason, Christ died. And whether it's Moses killing Egyptian and God not being done with Moses, whatever you did this week, last week, a year ago, five, ten, maybe going back even, maybe in your teen years. I I just want to tell you, that's a lie of the devil. Because he wants to paralyze you so you will not look at a risen Savior, but you will look at your own failure. God's got to readjust our eyes. You know, we go to the doctor and you sit in the chair and they got this big thing with all these different lenses. And they go, click, 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 click. Okay, what do you see now? Click, click, click. What do you see now? Click, click, click. Oh, I see real good now. Okay, well, hold it right there. Isn't it embarrassing when you go to get your driver's license and you look in that little thing and you're going, huh? What? What is that? And you read line four. Uh, read line five. Uh, read line six. Oh, D-E-F-P-O. You know, I mean, we start reading it. It's embarrassing when you don't see good. Well, the thing is, we don't see good because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We see ourselves in our failures oftentimes. The Bible says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And we are a new creature in Christ every single day. We need to remember that. Otherwise, it will paralyze you from moving forward. I'm not saying there isn't times that we all don't leave and sit down by a well. But by the way, when we sat down by a well, I believe that's where God ministers to us. Matter of fact, if you look at how many instances happened by a well in the Bible, you will be amazed. Whether it's, whether it's the woman at the well, remember that? Here is an example where he meets eventually his wife. You find many other instances the same way through the Bible where they meet at the watering hole. Well, again, when we understand God ain't done with us yet, no matter what has been in our past. So she bore him a son, called his name Gersom. I have been a stranger in a foreign land. That's what his name means. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. I think this is really amazing here for a couple of reasons. One, God had already sent him a deliverer, and they rejected him. And then they cry out again, God send us a deliverer. And you know what? God heard him. 
Isn't that, doesn't that kind of strike you differently? Doesn't that tell you about the mercy of God that, hey, I sent you a deliverer, you blew it, shut up, go away. You didn't do that. I sent you a deliverer, you rejected him. Now you're crying out again, I heard you again. So God heard their groanings. And God remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Wow, the love of God. You know, I had a person come to me one time, and they said, well, why was God such a God of love in the New Testament, and such a God of, uh, of fire and brimstone and judgment in the Old Testament? Well, God changed. No, God didn't change. He was a God of love in the Old Testament, and he's a God of love in the New Testament. He's a God of vengeance in the Old Testament, but he's also a God of vengeance in the New Testament. And especially when you read the book of Revelation, you see that Jesus is not petting the lambs in the picture in the Christian bookstore, but the Bible says he comes back with a sword drawn, and the Bible says the blood is as high as the horse's bridle. Wow, that's a picture you don't usually see. But it's true. You see, God's eternally angry at sin, but he's also eternally in love with his creation, which is us. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, don't let the things of your past hurt you. But Mike, they left such a deep cut in my soul. I know. I know. I, I, I understand that. I, I, I know. But you know what? This is where healing from God comes. This is why I believe communion is so important. Where, where the Bible talks about, by his stripes we are healed. Peter saying that, quoting out of the Old Testament, by his stripes we're healed. I, I need healing. Because some of those cuts, friends, in my life have been pretty deep even as a Christian. But I want you to know that God brings healing to those things that would normally stop you or cause you to give up or just go sit by a well. I ain't moving. And God says, no, you can sit down by a well for, for a bit, but you're going to get back up again and you're going to be about your father's business. You know, I think about people in my life that have been such an encouragement. People that come along and say, oh, Mike, God's not done with you yet. I go, really? You see, they see you differently than you see yourself. That's one of the reasons why I think church is important, because people around you are going to see you differently. You know, it's really a maze uh, for me as a pastor, because I know everybody here as Christians. You know, pretty much, you know. And then sometimes, like around the donut table, I'll, I'll hear people talk about their past before they came to Christ. Oh, I was a murderer, and I was a thief, and I was this, and I was that. And I'm going, oh, wow. I had no idea. I always know them as a great Christian that has not sinned, that is good, because I didn't know about their past. But even greater than that, I didn't care about their past. Because we all have one. 
You see, that's why it's important we as Christians know, as Paul says, no man after the flesh, but we know him after the Spirit. That's what allows us to grow in God. That's what allows us to love one another. And so, as we see Moses now, having a wife, having kids, God restoring him from what he was, now we find these preparations that go into Moses' life. Forty years on the backside of the wilderness, being a nobody. But you know, in those times, we still are learning. And I believe sometimes when we're alone with God, that's when we learn the most. Because the Bible says it's in the still, small voice we hear God. Not in the loud thunderings and in the earthquakes and all the other stuff as it was with Elijah. It's in the still, small voice that we hear God. And for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, God begins to teach Moses what he's going to do for the next 40 years of his life. I don't know where you're at in your life with the Lord right now. You you may be in that learning process. You may be in in that training atmosphere or mode that you're in. You may be active in what God wants you to do, but nevertheless, whatever it is that God wants you to do, I know that he's going to empower you and he's going to put people around you to do that. Now, a lot of times, friends, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to do this thing for God. And I don't know how God's going to do it. And so, you know, I'm just looking for Mr. Moneybags to walk in and help me do what I'm supposed to do for God. Do you know what I found is more important than all of that? It's just the friend in Christ that comes up and says, hey, you're going to make it. Because I need to be reminded. Do you know why? Because I forget. I, 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 I don't want to forget. In fact, I think back in my life when, when all the things that I've asked God to get me through, and God's got me through a lot of hard things in my life, and, and I think about all those things that God's got me through, and he always delivered me out of every one of them as regular as clockwork. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank until the next time I have a trial, and then I go, God, where are you? You ever notice that? We're going, okay, God, I I got this down. This is good. This is going to work. This is great. It doesn't happen the way I think. Where are you, God? You forgot me. Oh, no. Uh, Go sit by a well someplace. It's just sometimes being in church where someone says, hey, you've been a blessing. Hey, you're going to make it. Hey, you're not in this alone. Hey, whatever you're doing, I'll come and help you. Man, I'll tell you, that changes everything. I just want to encourage you this morning, first, as a Christian, you're not in this alone. you got a big God in heaven that loves you. Your past does not matter because God's callings and his elections, as the word of God says, are sure. I don't believe that we will ever escape God's loving hand in our life. And to just say, okay, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do for you, I'll do it. Let me tell you, that's where the miracles are. 
That's where you see God multiply the loaves and fishes. That's where you see people walking on the water. That's where you, because it's when you're involved in what God wants you to do, that's where the power of God is. You see, the calling of God in your life is a supernatural calling, which requires supernatural gifts that are not from yourself or generated by others. It comes from God, but God uses others to bring that encouragement. May you be about your father's business. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you're in trouble. That's just all there is to it. You're, you're in your sins. You're, you're, you're stymied. You, you, you can't receive a message from God because your sins are blocking you. You can't move forward. You can't move backwards because you know there's no hope there. And so you, you, you've got to escape, man. You've got to get drunk. You've got to get loaded. You've got to get stoned. You've got to do whatever you've got to do to escape you because you are the problem. Isn't that the truth? Haven't we found out that we create most of our own problems? So what do we do then? The Bible says, if we'll repent, that means turn away from defining life my way, living life my way and saying, okay, God, I realize that I'm here for a bigger purpose than to just exist every day. And so from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I repent of the silly way that I have lived. I don't want a box of trophies to be sold for a dollar at a yard sale when I'm dead. I want God to look at every one of us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did great. And it, your, your, your life works will not be in a trophy sold for a quarter. Your life work will be rewarded eternally. Wow. That's good news, man. I want to be about daddy's business. This morning, as we look at Moses, you're going to find when we go into chapter 3, how God begins to use Moses in such an unbelievable way that not even Moses has the confidence in himself to do what he believes God wants him to do. And God even met that criteria by sending Aaron, his brother, to him. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. And you can ask God to forgive your sins to repent from your ways, to accept Christ not only for what he did for you on the cross, but a living Savior that's got a new purpose for your life every day and eternal life for you. We're going to pray right now. And if you need to pray, pray and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I repent of the foolish way I have lived my life. And so now I commit the rest of my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Thank you for eternal life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but now lives for me every day. And so I want to be about your purpose. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I never have to be scared of dying ever again. And so, Lord, I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time. 
as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.